0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of Rich in Relationship. And today I am with Jenna Lesner. How are you, Jenna?
1: I'm good. How are you, Rich?
0: I'm awesome. I'm so glad to see you. Jenna has been kind of a mentor to me, and she is also a certified holistic nutritionist. How did
1: you, yeah. how,
0: how did you get to be a certified holistic nutritionist?
1: Um, it's kind of a long story, so I'll try to make it short. I... Um, I was overweight. So I stepped on the scale at my university graduation at 295 pounds. And I went, holy crap, I need to make some changes because I don't want to be 300 pounds. So I vowed to myself that I would make the change that I would never reach that. And through trial and error and a whole bunch of yo-yo dieting, um, I ended up with the conclusion that I was emotional eating and I wasn't processing my emotions. So my journey led me to, I guess, improve my mental health, which resulted in an improvement of my physical health. Um, nutrition played such a huge role
0: in That's the holistic part.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So nutrition played such a huge role in my journey that I was inspired to learn more. So I went back to school to study, Holistic nutrition. And now I coach um, other women and men on not only nutrition, but the mindset piece that comes along with uh, their health.
0: And that mind pet, mind pet, that mind pet seat, that mindset piece, a little Mm -hmm. tongue tied today, that mindset piece is so important in everything that we do.
1: Mm -hmm. It really is. And what I noticed in Almost immediately in my practice of coaching individuals was that it wasn't so much that they didn't know that they should maybe not go eat fast food every day and that they should be eating more vegetables. It was, why aren't I doing that? Mm -hmm. What's blocking me from making those healthier choices? And why at the end of the day, after I've made all of these healthy choices, do I end up binge eating? right? So looking at those factors and how someone's relationship with food um, can impact their overall health.
0: I love that. I love that you work on the blocks and I love that you described it as a relationship. It's a, it's a, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's a relationship food, but it's also a relationship with ourselves.
1: 100% and that's what it really comes down to is that uh, people are I'm going to say using food as a way to not connect with themselves. So they're avoiding something, an emotion, a feeling, um, a situation. And it's really when we get down to it, it's learning how to reconnect with who you are and yourself Mm. that you become comfortable with having those feelings.
0: Yeah. And yeah, I know from the email exchanges that we've had and the conversations that we've had that, it's, it's this, there's this sort of dualistic quality to it. Like on the one hand, you get on the scale and you go, OMG, I'm really done with this because you don't want to be there. But at the, but the same time, like just like when two people are having a tough time in a relationship with each other, you know, they're hit this point where they don't want to be there anymore. But at the same time, in order to move forward, there's some level of acceptance or even appreciation of where we are that's needed for the next step.
1: For sure. Gratitude, right? I talk to clients about gratitude all the time and how that can shift your relationship with yourself and with your partner when you start, you know, even offering yourself gratitude, your body gratitude for maybe like what it looks like isn't where you're at right now. Maybe it's what it does. Maybe your body allows you to walk up a flight of stairs. I had an issue with that when I was 295 pounds. Like, I was out of breath by the time I reached the, the top of that floor. Um, but when it comes in relationships, too, when you can offer your partner gratitude, that changes how you know mm-hmm. they show up in the relationship.
0: Yeah, it's this thing of uh, where, where our thoughts are, that's where we go. So if we're too wrapped up in, oh, whatever the situation, you know, whether it be our physical condition, a relationship, something that's going on in business, if we're all wrapped up in, oh, this sucks, I hate this, this is the pits, then we just get more of of that.
1: Yeah, it's, we're attracting that, that thought process and that energy, right? So when we can start to recognize those thought patterns, and shift them, then we attract more of the positive mindset. Um, And I think that that it not only applies to your relationship with yourself, but it spills out into those other areas of your life. I know when I started doing this work and I wasn't as positive about my body that that's the, the type of men I attracted, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, when I began, I always hated it when people would tell me this, like, if you love yourself, you'll find love. And I was like, like stop, like, I don't want to hear that. Um, but it's it's actually really true when you have those positive feelings about yourself and you can look at yourself and with gratitude, then it allows someone else to show up in your life in the same way. And to have that, it's almost like inviting the respect that you want to receive Mm -hmm. in. Right.
0: So getting back to our bodies, thank you for honoring that I do relationships. I really appreciate that. But get And and I, I want the listeners to get that, right. A relationship with another person isn't different than a relationship with food. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's kind of the common thread here. So we could be talking about food and our and our relationship with it. And whatever we learn about that, we can apply to any other aspect of our life, which is why here at Rich in Relationship, we don't just talk to relationship coaches. All right, mm-hmm. so here you are, You you're in this place in your life where you're Unhappy with your body in some respect. It might be because you weigh 295 pounds. It might be because you're just not as physically fit as you think you should be. Or it might be that you have this obsession with eating. What what would be a good obsession right now? I would go with Ben and Jerry's. Oh, there's like some Tonight Show ice cream they have that has all these great chunks in it. You're just upset with with that, (laughs) whatever it is. And you just can't seem to get off it. Um, Mm -hmm. and you're, you're on that negative treadmill of, oh, why can't I, why can't I, why can't, ah, I need to change this. I just can't change this. Oh, this sucks. This sucks. I hate, I hate this. I hate what eating that Ben and Jerry's is doing to me. Or I hate that I can't do a half marathon or like whatever, on whatever level you're on, whatever your thing is. How do you make that shift, that mindset shift? I mean, what you said, you said earlier that really stuck in my mind was when you're, when you're looking for that right relationship, people say, well, if you just learned to love yourself then other people are going to Mm love you too. And your answer is screw you. I love myself. That's not the problem. You know, I love Mm -hmm. myself all the time. Right. And somewhere in there you do, you know, Mm -hmm. but something's in the way. How do you, what are the first steps to making that shift?
1: I think that it's important to look at what is that food providing you? So if it is that ice cream that you're always going to, is it, a sense of comfort that maybe you experienced when you were, you know, I'm going to go say child or something that is bringing back that. Oh, you're you're picking on me now. (laughs) Am I? (laughs) But if we look at like, what is that food actually providing it? What are we looking for in that food and how can we better serve that feeling? So if you're Mm -hmm. looking for comfort, how can you give yourself comfort that isn't food? Or how can you seek comfort maybe you know, from your partner and explain to them what you need. Um, but again, that could even be from yourself. Doesn't, you don't need to be with a partner to seek that. And looking at what you're actually using that food for. Mm-hmm. Um, I've used, well, food to pretty much numb every emotion that there is. But a big one for me was loneliness. Right. Mm. So, and I think that might be a common thread with going through isolation the last few months for a lot of people. Yeah. And it's like, well, when you're in that state of loneliness and you're using food to comfort loneliness, what, what is the, what you're actually seeking connection? Mm -hmm. Right. So how can you provide yourself with connection? If you can't, you know, go see your family, well, you can jump on a call with them. Um, So that used to be my thing is when I would identify what emotions were actually triggering me to eat and reach for the ice cream. And what could I do instead that would actually serve that emotion instead Mm -hmm. of just numbing it with food. Um, so I made a list, I call it my action plan. And it's something that I work through with clients as well is write out all the emotions that trigger you to eat and then write down five things that you can do instead of, eating in that sense that would actually help you with that emotion. So for loneliness, I'd call my mom. Um, if it was anxiety, I would do a deep breathing exercise Mm -hmm. and, um, shame. That's another really big trigger for people. I think the stat I read was like 43% of binge eating is related to shame, which Mm -hmm. is huge. Um, I would, you know, pull up Brené Brown on YouTube and watch one of her videos and then call my sister for some empathy because I know that that's how you combat shame. Um, so having that plan in place before I experienced the emotion allowed me to grab those tools when I needed
0: it. Uh yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, when I work with when I work with couples who are having difficulty with one another, or when I'm working with an individual who's divorcing someone that they experience is very challenging. But one of the first things we do is exactly that. We go through identifying their triggers and step-by-step work through first, how they can change their reaction to the trigger, and then down the line, how they can rewire the trigger so it becomes an asset,
1: mm-hmm.
0: if, they, if they stay with me that long. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. they're happy. I mean, honestly, most people are happy just to notice that they have a trigger and not be and not have it come out mm-hmm. or or come in in your case they 're consuming most people yep. are satisfied with just saying, "Oh yeah, I have this oh there 's that trigger, but i don't have to react the way it 's telling me to, but in the long run, you can actually transform the trigger into an ally with but that that 's like that 's some work
1: yeah, one hundred percent awareness is the first step right yeah. so once you 're aware of what you 're doing and your your patterns around it, then then you can begin to change it.
0: Yeah, I'll give you an example from my own life that I don't share with, haven't shared with anyone on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, used to, I used to have serious road rage. Okay. It's like just, that's where I would channel everything there. And one day I realized, you know, this is really, this is really not working for me mm-hmm. or, or the other, or my passengers or the other people. And I, I need to do something about this. And I, I was praying about it and I thought, you know, I, I, I'm trained in behavior modification there's actions I can actually take. And I bought a, a peace sign uh, bracelet. Mm-hmm. And that, that, because the first thing I would do was I would raise my hand and I would give them a not very friendly single signal, mm-hmm. you know? So then whenever I raised my hand, I would see that bracelet and be reminded of that commitment. And I would wave instead of you know, giving them a, a rude gesture. And so that was like the beginning, and then eventually I just stopped raising my hand, and then you know you go deeper and deeper and deeper with it, but the, mm-hmm. yeah, that that kind of thing is so helpful. Okay, so you've got these clients; they are they're identified by these triggers, and they've got a strategy for managing it. What's next?
1: Um, looking at how food is affecting them. So I know as a nutritionist that foods affect your body in certain ways and can maybe elicit two certain emotional responses. Um, So having clients go through, I'm not a fan of like large restrictive diets, but Mm -hmm. I think it is important to, you know, maybe remove some of those refined and processed foods that we know are not healthy for you long term and inviting awareness in with food choices and uh, whenever i give clients recipes or meal plans i always put it back on them when they ask me questions i was like well how did that food make you feel and i invite them to do almost like a food journal but not writing down like calories Mm -hmm. writing down any feelings that they had around it so i like that yeah, so it creating an awareness of what foods really make them feel good in their body, and which foods maybe aren't supporting their body. Because at the end of the day, your nutrition should make you feel good in your body. It should make you feel energized and be able to do what you want to do, right?
0: Uh, you should probably actually like what you're eating from time to time too. Like I can't tell you how many diets I've been on where I was just eating stuff I didn't like. I was like the Weight Watchers thing. You know, mm-hmm. no matter how much they said you can eat whatever you want, I didn't. I I ate as much of something I hated rather than eat a little bit of something I really loved. It just never worked for me.
1: Mm -hmm. And, and that's why I don't remove my client's favorite foods. I Mm -hmm. might um, show them or encourage them to find a healthier way to incorporate that food in. If they're like, I really love milk chocolate. And I was like, well, like here are some chocolate recipes that you can make at home Mm -hmm. that aren't loaded with refined sugar or preservatives or, Um, dairy if that's affecting them or or, or trying like dark chocolate. But honestly, like I just make my own chocolate at home and it's delicious. It has three Mm -hmm. ingredients. So I don't need to go to the store and buy chocolate every day. Right. And so including those foods that clients love in meal plans allows them to not feel deprived, but they're still eating a very healthy nourishing diet.
0: Sounds amazing. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah. I love this work that you're doing.
1: Oh, thank you. It's very rewarding to, to help someone change their relationship with food and how they view food. And when they get that moment of awareness that, oh, like I can eat healthy and not feel deprived and it doesn't have to be bland and gross. It can mm-hmm. actually taste good. Like they're, they're almost mind blowing. And it's just like, ah, oh, such a good
0: feeling. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Uh, And I understand that you have uh, like an introductory offer that you make people.
1: Yeah. So I offer everyone a free, um, I call it a healthy and joyful strategy call Mm -hmm. to talk about where they're at and where maybe some nutrition changes or Uh, awareness around emotional eating would be beneficial for them Mm -hmm. and see if I can offer them any strategies in that free 30 minutes. And if they feel called to continue on working together, then I am open to talking about that too.
0: And how would people find you?
1: At simplynurtured.ca. Uh, is my website so all of that information is on that website and I'm on Instagram is probably my most popular social media platform and it's Mm -hmm. just at simply nurtured
0: and I know from because I know you a little that you have also some free online courses and I think that it would be great for people to know about those what how would they I know I think they can find them on your website yeah
1: yeah so uh one of my free courses I think it's the one that that you signed up for was um dear body, I love you. So Mm -hmm. it's just a free training that I did. And I I start off by talking a a little bit more in depth about my, my own personal experience and struggles with body image and some of the tools that I use to, I guess, improve how Mm -hmm. I view myself and right on my, my homepage of my website at simplynurtured.ca. The first link that you see there, watch this free training. uh, That's how you'll find Mm -hmm. that. And I want all
0: the listeners of this podcast to know that having audited that class, this is not, a lot lot of free classes are just mostly hook (laughs) and there's not a lot of content. There's some real content of real value. I mean, my experience is that you share genuinely and authentically share of yourself and you give people just real value in that, in that free, it's literally free course. And uh, it's beautifully designed and thought out and clearly a gift of love.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you, I really yeah. appreciate that feedback. And I think that, that that was my intention is to allow people to experience love for mm-hmm. themselves, right? And I think that it, it becomes this taboo subject that, oh, well, I can't do that. Or like, that's gross or self-centered for me to, to love myself, but it's really a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah. Or do you don't want to be a narcissist? Like only exactly. a narcissist would call his podcast rich in relationship. If his name yeah. was rich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, last question. Um, what's the legacy you would like to leave behind you? Like when all is said and done, you know, what's the big change, the shift that you would want to leave behind you in your life?
1: I think empowering people to love themselves.
0: Empowering people to love themselves. Sweet. Mm -hmm. So when everyone's at your funeral, they're going to be saying that Jenna, she taught me, she really taught me how to love myself. Yeah. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to speak with you and maybe we can do this again in the future.
1: Yeah, I would love that. Thank you, Rich. All right.